That was incredible, was it not? Peter, thank you for your pastor's heart and the competence you bring to your role as a pastor of Plus Ministry and Generations and so much more. Thank you. <laughs> to our veterans who stood, I thank you too for all that you fought for so that we could have a democracy and could live in the freedom and open the word with freedom today, not fearing uh, the assault that would come on so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world that don't have that freedom. So thank you for serving us. Can we thank our veterans one more time? And we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I know you fought for the United States of America. It seems like we're the divided states of America right now, and there's a lot of pain uh, all over the country in division, and even in the church. What's great is we're a kingdom church. Uh, we have dual citizenship. Um, our first and foremost allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think personally uh, it's on us as a church to acknowledge the pain, uh, to go into the city, I'm, I'm trying to incarnate more and more in the city. I'll be at an ecumenical prayer gathering tonight downtown to uh, just listen and admonish or heed the admonishment of James chapter 1, 19. Be slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. And so uh, I, that's my goal. And I would implore us all to hold that posture with our first and primary allegiance uh, being heaven. I got good news for you. God is still on the throne, everybody. He was on Monday. He is on Wednesday, regardless of who would have gotten office. And this is ripe time for the hope of the gospel. Ripe, ripe time. So let's be people of hope, okay? And let's be like Jesus and humbly. Think of the incarnation, Jesus leaving heaven to come to earth. Um, that was an amazing act of humility. And we're to model that with the Spirit of God in us, with each other and in the community. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, I just thank you for this body. I thank you for what we've experienced, uh, the robust worship, the way that we are led right to your throne to see who you are, what your character is, and then to acknowledge that and live in light of that. I thank you for the sisters and brothers who stood up, who have served our country. We honor them this weekend. And I thank you for the way that we can be together and congregate and as we look at this rooted i don't think there's ever a time we've needed to be more rooted in christ than these times right now <clears throat> at least in my short 52 years and so god i pray that uh, you would speak to us and that we'd heed your word and not just be hearers but doers i pray this in christ's name everyone said okay, your bible's open hebrews 10 um the scripture was read from a smartphone, and we put all our notes on the smartphone, the back of your notes. You can see how to get to all that through an app called YouVersion. Got a confession as we start this morning. I love the church. I see all her flaws and warts. I've experienced more pain than most and actually caused more pain than probably anyone in this room. No one say amen. <laughs> but let me tell you why I love the church. I love her because it was in the church that formed me and my image and knowledge of a fear of God. Even before I was a Christian, the church formed in me a fear of God. It was in the church that they put up with my stupidity and hypocrisy and offensive language and even more offensive behavior and lovingly led me to Christ. 
It was the church that healed my broken image of myself. It was the church that taught me the Bible and the value of the Word of God. And it taught me how to grow to look more and more like Christ. It was the church that then taught me to live beyond myself and give my life away. It was the church that gave me an eternal purpose to live for. That gets me out of bed every morning and gets me through every memorial and every graveside service realizing this is not a goodbye forever, but for my brothers and sisters in Christ, I'll see you soon. It was the church that gave me grace as a follower of Christ when I fell so completely short and needed a reboot. It was the church that introduced me to my best friend, my wife, and helped us write a new narrative in our marriage a different narrative than both our lineages have written for us and equipped us for. It was in the church that helped us, actually it was this church that helped us raise our five children and gave our daughters their closest friends and surrogate parents, Christ-centered grandparents. It was the church that let me sing in the choir once. (laughs) And it was in a church that let me lead worship once. It was a church that helped me figure out I should never sing in the choir or lead worship ever again. (laughs) See, when we get it right, there's no stopping the church. Uh, And I believe with all my heart, this city will never be at its best unless the church is at its best. But when we get it wrong, when we shrink our vision from eternity, from the least, the lonely, the lost in the world to ourselves, no one wins. No one. We don't win because we fall short of our full redemptive potential. Uh, The city doesn't win because they don't hear or see the hope of the gospel lived out in each one of our lives. And Jesus doesn't win because that's not what Jesus designed the church, to go from a his church to a we church or to a me church. Ever experienced a me church? Watch this. Imagine a church where every member is passionately wholeheartedly and recklessly calling the shots. I don't know who sets the worship center temperature, but why does it have to be so cold? Why do you have to be so right? Heated chairs are now being installed. This one wants a small church, but I'm afraid if it's too small, they're going to make me volunteer like crazy. And I don't stack chairs, do I? Makes total sense. Join now and we'll let you decide the size of our church. We're millennials and we want a church that... Say no more. Any requests you have will be granted immediately. Parking is horrible. It takes me almost six minutes to get from my car to the building. It's going to take me six seconds to tell you a valet service is on the way. My pastor's preaching, it's all over the map. I say, oh, I don't know, stick with the books of the Bible. We should be only exegetical. Okay, next week we start John chapter 1, verse 1. And we'll even start pronouncing that word the way you said it. Hey, I'd like this sermon to be no longer than 30 minutes. How does 15 minutes sound? Hey, anybody willing to go to 15 should be willing to go to 10. <laughs> you drive a hard bargain. But from now on, five-minute sermons it is. <laughs> now you're talking. Me Church, where it's all about you. Just having some fun together this morning. I don't know about you, though. I saw myself in some of that, right? 
We come here wanting it our way, and that's just the natural human inclination, right? But Jesus didn't design the church for natural humans. He designed it for called out people to be about Jesus and not about us. So I need us to lean in this morning. Let's look at how to be church at our best, okay? Hebrews 10. Are we there? We're going to start from the end of the passage, work our way forward. Let's just start defining terms. What are we talking about church, Christian community? Let's start in verse 24. You ready? Okay. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Uh, There's never been a time in America when more people are in the habit of not meeting together. Uh, Newsweek, and you'll see a cover article on this at the end of the sermon, did a huge article on this. And uh, church attendance is plummeting for the average uh, follower of Christ. It's just crazy. So this admonition is really important. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, just some context. Hebrews was written primarily to Jewish followers of Jesus. And its purpose was to present Jesus Christ, this is important, as more and better than anything. Because the author was writing to an audience that had come to Christ out of Judaism and was tempted to go right back into Judaism. They were going to stop meeting together as followers of Jesus and go back to the synagogue, back to the temples, and re-embrace their Jewishness. And so the author of the book is presenting Christ as better than anything the world or Judaism had to author. Do you understand that? Okay. So the word meeting, verse 25, write up your Bibles, word meeting, it means, uh, it's the word we get synagogue from, literally. Uh, it, It means congregation. Let's not stop congregating together. Congregation is how God spells Christ-likeness. Do not let that rush over you. Congregation is how Christ spells, how God spells Christ-likeness. In other words, I know I will never live into my full redemptive potential without you. I not only need Christ, and I do need Christ to become everything I need to be and want to be, I need you. Christianity is incredibly personal. It was never designed to be private. And Hebrews brings this out. Uh, That word congregation is a community in which all aspects of members' lives intersect. Reading your New Testament, reading my New Testament, we all have to conclude congregations didn't come together in the New Testament just to hear a speaker, just to listen to the music, just to have an experience. Oh no, friends, don't sell yourself short. New Testament congregations ate together, they prayed together, they learned together, they loved together, they wept together, they suffered together, they rejoiced together, they confessed their sins to each other. They sharpened together. They gave grace and spoke truth together. Inherent in the word congregation is this word, reciprocity. There's a mutuality that existed. And see, when we gather as the church, according to the New Testament, it's not a place to go only only to be taught or fed or counseled or shepherded. As professionals, we've done you all great disservice in perpetuating this model. No, no, no. Congregations are mutual. Everyone participates in the meal. 
in the New Testament, in this design that Jesus launched and created. I remember in, uh, in our family with five daughters, 25 years of parenting, and you could speak to this too, right? But when our meals started, it was Ann and I not only cooking the meal, but setting the table and driving the dinner conversation. And you need to know in our home, the most important piece of furniture in the Gadini home is our dinner table. The most important hour, and I'm not there every, uh, every night, but the most important hour in our week, in our day, is the dinner hour. As our girls grew older, though, it went, and as maturity happened, it went from mom and dad serving the meal, driving the conversation, to reciprocity. The girls got chores. The girls set the table. The girls cleaned up. The girls brought the question of the day. The girls even did a devotion every now and then. The girls cooked. Now, twice a week, the girls cook the meal. Why? Because they're growing up. It's a sure sign of immaturity when you come to a table and you expect everyone else to do the service. You just come and eat, critique the food, and leave. A sure sign of, of uh, immaturity. It was when my daughters were in the high chair that they cried out, Feed me, feed me, help me, clean me, stop this. Sure sign of immaturity. But as they grew up, there was reciprocity. That's a congregation. That's what we're talking about here. Are we all clear? Okay, turn to page two. Let's look at this. And you do this very well, church. Very encouraged by this. The function of Christian community. I think this will bring great value to our lives. Let's back up now and let's pick it up in verse 23 and read the rest of the text. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. I really believe that's a verse for us followers of Christ today. We have a hope in heaven. It, the Bible calls that our glorious hope. Let's hold unswervingly to that. As people in our community put their hope in a ballot box, and for many it fell short, we have a hope in a throne room that will never fall short. Okay? And let us consider, how do we do this? Let us consider how we may, keyword, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. See, the word uh, key to Christian community is that word consider. Consider, in verse 24. It means to stop, to think, to ponder, to pray. There's an intentionality to it. So congregations are made up of people who value mutuality and intentionality. We can't do this with each other in a room this size, but you can do it in a group. When's the last time, and I don't mean you've never done this, but I want to ask you, when's the last time you really considered what your brother or sister in Christ most needed? When you stopped and you interceded and you prayed and you asked God, how can I be a brother and sister in Christ to them? This is why the New Testament church thrived under, uh, and I would say this regardless of who's in office today, okay? Regardless of who won the election. The New Testament church thrived under people in power more immoral than anything we've ever seen on, on American soil in a president. I mean, have you ever studied your history about Nero, who persecuted and burned Christians, who was a pedophile, who was incredibly immoral, 
And that was the ruler over the majority of the Christian church when the letters of the New Testament were written. We need to encourage each other. We need to think and stop and consider what do they need for each other. What are we to consider? Two things. Really important. Very important. First one, spurring. Here's our favorite word for the morning. Do you know what the word literally means to spur? It means to irritate. (laughs) Aha! Some of you are saying, that's my spiritual gift. (laughs) Turning to your spouse, see, I'm biblical. No, don't do that. That's not what it's talking about. You're wrong, because that's not the kind of irritation we're talking about. We're being told if we don't have people around us who we allow to challenge us, query us, slow us down, so we can move forward farther, better than we'd ever be without them, we're not going to grow. If you don't have people who spur you, you're never going to grow. And when we come together and congregate, we're to stop and consider, what is my brother in Christ? What does my sister in Christ most need from me? How do I present the truth humbly, graciously, but in such a way that gets their attention and course corrects them for a better future than the trajectory of the future they're on right now? Am I making sense to anybody? Uh, I understood this because my daughters love horses, right? I have one daughter in Kentucky, an equine studies major at a university. I have no idea what equine studies do. Uh, but here's, here's, I'm going to brag for a minute. A horse she trained is going to be in the, inaugura- the presidential inauguration in January. So she's very proud of that. I paid a lot of money for that, too. Um, <laughs> but I said, hey, Udi, uh, what's a spur? Why would you hurt a horse that you love? And she said this, we hurt horses to make them move forward farther. I thought, wow, that's good. That's why we need to spur each other on. So we can move forward farther. I'm sure in the heart of every one of us when we gather and congregate is not just today. Remember we talked about the two most important days in our lives? Today and that day when we face Jesus. Spurring each other on is to prepare people for today that you live the best today in a Christ-honoring way, but that you're best prepared for that day when you face God. And when you hear from God, well done, good and faithful servant, and you wink to your brother and sister in Christ and go, Thanks for spurring me. I may not have heard that if it wasn't for you loving me enough to bring truth before me and spur me on. Who is that for you? Who does that to you? Have you allowed yourself to do that? And do you know why Jesus invented the church? Because practically speaking, the biggest flaws I have that you have, the sin and flaws of our lives that most easily shipwreck us are the ones we can't really see. They're the ones we minimize, the ones we rationalize, the ones we're blind to. Are you taking notes? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 talks about sin's nature being deceitful. It's not logical. We're blind to it. And so we need each other in our lives, trusted brothers and sisters who can love us and say, Stop. I love you too much to let you go forward. And let's just stop. You may still go forward. It's your, it's your life. But I'm just going to stand before you and say, have you considered, have you pondered the eternal consequences of this? I don't do that because I'm just a pastor. I do that because I'm a follower of Jesus and because I am the beneficiary of men and women who've done this to me. I was going out and I stopped Brian Renn and said, hey, I'm going to share about a time when you rebuked me. And he said, which one? (laughs) 
I wouldn't be who I am without Pastor Brian Wren. I wouldn't be the husband. I wouldn't be the father. I would not be the pastor without that man in my life stopping me and going, hey, i got to talk to you. I think you're blind to this. I'm going to believe the best in you. Let me tell you what I think is unbiblical in your life right now. We all need that, church. We all need that to be the congregation that God's called us to be. Then what's the second consideration? Look at this. We not only to spur, but to encourage one another. Completely different word. Almost the opposite of spurring. Encouraging is a great word. It's uh, parakaleo. Para, to come, uh, to come alongside. Kaleo, to call. It's the same word for the Holy Spirit. Parakaleo. We are to come alongside. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? He empowers us. He, he speaks wisdom in our life. He encourages us. He, it's a still small voice that says, you're going to get through this with the, my power linked to me, being rooted to me. Sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I know that's true and I get that in my time with the Lord. Sometimes I need a sister or brother in Christ to come alongside and with healthy touch whisper that in my ear. You're going to get through this. You've got what it takes in Christ. I want to encourage you right now. I'm going to be praying for you. I remember one time one of the guys in my small group, um, there's a pretty public figure and very public on his faith. And a newspaper was doing an article ripping him apart primarily because he was a follower of Christ. And I said, well, where's that interview happening with the newspaper reporter? This was like three years ago. And said, oh, Starbucks down on the Alameda. I said, oh, cool. And so at the interview came and he was sitting outside and the interviewer was at a table doing the interview. And I just walked up and took the table right behind the interviewer so he could have a direct line to me. And I just spent the time interceding. And I didn't think it would mean anything to him, but I'm like, no way is my brother in Christ going into that battle alone. I'm jumping in the foxhole. When I was a kid, my buddy Jeff Bushton, I wasn't a big fighter. My buddy Jeff, he would get in fights all the time. And I'd walk to the campus, I'd walk in the, in the, up in the yard and, and over the hills of Marin, and I'd see Jeff in a fight. And you know what I did? I just jumped in. And I, I just worked with Jeff, and I'd punch people and pulled them out of the fight, and we got away. And then walking away, I'd be like, what was that about? Why were we fighting? <laughs> and most of the time, it was just stuff that's completely stupid. But I'm like, you know what? My brother is in a battle, and he doesn't go alone. I learned as a little kid, and in Christ, what kind of battles are we in? Aren't they so much more than a street brawl as a little kid? Who's jumping in your battle for your perspective at this age of your life? Or your perspective facing a disease or a diagnosis? Or who's jumping in the battle for your marriage? Or jumping in the battle for your friendship? Or jumping in the battle for your witness? See, that's why the book of Hebrews says, you want to leave that and go back to a temple or a synagogue? You'll never get that anywhere else apart from Christ and the called out community. Do you see why Jesus could say to his men, I'm going to build my church. It's going to be so expansive. All of hell will throw their fury at it, but the gates of hell won't prevail against it. When we're like that, when we're unified in Christ, even though we may not see eye to eye, and we don't see eye to eye, but we're arm in arm, there's no stopping us. It's the best kept secret on the peninsula. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.
I love that. So we need to encourage each other. We need to encourage each other. Then look at the result, page three. It's a personal result of being together. All this is personal, but uh, look at this. Verse 19. Now we're going to go right up to the stop, to the start. We have what? Confidence. To enter the throne of God. Knowing that the control center of the universe, God is not overwhelmed and constantly turns to us and says, how can I hear you? What do you want from me? And I promise to answer, yes, no, or wait. But you have my full attention right now. Do you have that confidence coming to Christ? You want to know what confidence is like? Just come to my house and watch my eight-year-old daughter and watch what she asks from me. That girl is always asking for things. Always. We spent, uh, you know, she was on holiday on Friday. We spent the whole day together. It was awesome. A daddy-daughter date. We actually were in Oakland. Daddy, I want ice cream. Daddy, I want this. Daddy, I want that. Daddy, I want this. My daughter was 16 at one point, the 21-year-old now. She said, hey, Dad, the the horse girl. She said, "Um, hey, uh, now that I'm 16, instead of buying me a car, can you buy me a horse? (laughs) I said, oh, hold on. Who said I was going to buy you a car? <laughs> you ain't getting no horse or no car. But you got my love. I'll be your stallion. Um, but she felt confident in asking. I want my girls to be, I want to spoil them, but I don't want them to be spoiled. And there's a difference. I think our Father in Heaven wants to spoil us and lavish us. Jesus said that. He doesn't want us to live entitled lives. He wants to spoil us with the confidence we can come to him for anything and ask and praise and worship. My favorite thing as a father is when my girls, and by God's grace, even up to 25, all five still do it, jump in my lap, just hold on to me and say, I don't want to ask for anything, just want to be with you. I hope you have that confidence with God too. They can come to his throne and just say, I love you. Just want you to know. I'm so thankful for who you are. See, we don't get that. Now, everyone, listen. This is really important. I will never live into that fully apart from you. Isn't that weird? Apart from you spurring me on. Apart from you encouraging me. Apart from us gathering together. I will never become that kind of holy, throne-approaching knocking, seeking, asking, confident man of God apart from you. You'll never become that apart from each other. You have an insert about dinners, and I didn't even see the insert till this morning. I would make a commitment to those dinners because everything you want in here happens better in circles. Way better in a smaller, interpersonal community. Why the passion? Sisters and brothers in Christ, we have never needed the church more than in these times. And there's never been a time when the church has been misrepresented in our community, in America, than these times. We live in a time when 4,000 of what we've just been describing, 4,000 churches are closing a year in America. I just met with another one, a group of elders in my office on Thursday. That are just fledgling. And, and, you know, we don't talk about this, but part of our ministry in Revit City is to help these small churches. As an angel investor uh, of people resources and financial resources, because no one wins when a church closes its doors. No one. 
and we've got to come alongside them. Newsweek magazine, I alluded to it, they concluded, look at this article, that the Christian God is less of a force in American culture than at any other time in recent memory. And their uh, advice is this, forget the church and follow Jesus. Here's the deal, and we're going to close with this. You can't. You cannot follow Jesus apart from the church. I believe that with all my heart. So when the church gets it right, and admittedly, there's many times we don't, it's the most powerful force for God, for good, on this worn planet. Because when the church gets it right, communities are transformed. We've seen that in our own community with schools. Broken lives are healed. We've seen that in this very room. Lost people have their eternities forever changed. We've seen that in this room. The poor are helped and blessed. We're going to see that in these coming weeks and months and have seen that for 65 years. Racial barriers are lowered. Unity thrives. People are empowered. I'm so fired up to be part of the church. And I'm excited in these times to boldly hold out the gospel and to be slow to speak, slow to become angry, and quick to listen. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the grace in this room and thank you for the enduring faith of my sisters and brothers in Christ that have lived this out for so long. Lord, let us be your church like never before. I'm not exhorting anybody to try harder. I'm exhorting us all to trust more, to surrender more. Jesus, to be rooted in you and to be committed to each other so that we can be spurred, so that we can be encouraged, so that you would be lifted up, exalted, and you would be glorified. We love you, Lord. We know you're the hope of our lives, but we believe you're the hope of the city and peninsula and Bay Area and the whole world. Help us to be bold and humble with that hope. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Covenant Church Podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.